0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Dowling. Our guest this week is the ranking member on the House Agriculture Committee, Minnesota Representative Colin Peterson. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science. From high-powered seeds and traits to innovative biological and chemical crop protection products, Bayer Crop Science delivers science for a better life. More with Congressman Colin Peterson next here on Open Mic. Our task is simple yet monumental, to provide enough food for the world while protecting it at the same time. We believe that with the right combination of innovative science, tenacious problem solving and unshakable passion, we can do it. We will meet the needs of today while laying a foundation for a better tomorrow. With one world to grow on, we strive to deliver innovative solutions that help maximize farm yields, secure harvest from devastating disease and pests, and keep our world healthy and beautiful. From high-powered seeds and traits to innovative biological and chemical crop protection products, Bayer Crop Science delivers science for a better life. For more information, visit BayerCropScience.us. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. As a longtime leader of the House Agriculture Committee, Minnesota Representative Colin Peterson values bipartisan work to accomplish difficult issues. Peterson says the doc fix for Medicare is a sign that this Congress could work together, but says the real challenge is the work ahead on appropriations. They're determined to get all the bills passed through the House by September.
1: And it depends on what 's in those bills I mean they might be they might do them in such a way that they can 't conference them with the Senate. you know uh, i I hope they're having discussions with the Senate appropriators and the Senate leadership so that whatever they 're doing, even though there might be differences between the House and the Senate it 's in the range where they can compromise this out and get it done
0: so we can actually pass it before the end of the year. You labored long and hard on this most recent farm bill. They've none been easy. But with this policy, there are those who had opposition to what was approved and see this appropriation process as an opportunity to come back to the bill. How do you protect it?
1: Well, we have this every time. I mean, we had the appropriators go after the 08 bill, too. Uh, but I think we're in good shape. I think, you know, we still have a good, solid uh, majority in the House and the Senate behind the bill. And I, and I think that the folks are going to offer their amendments, you know, to get rid of the sugar program and, you know, whatever, you know, payment limitations, whatever they're going to do, uh, crop insurance. But I don't think the food stamps, but I don't think any of it's going to go anyplace.
0: I I think we've got a majority. With regard to the crop insurance program, there are those who attack and say that the insurance companies are making too much. The taxpayer subsidy is too high. What are the dangers of working on the crop insurance even before we're fully implemented in this new bill?
1: The danger is that if uh, some of the people that are out there making noise about this, if they get their way they will destroy crop insurance. That's the danger. And uh, for those that say that the companies are making too much, uh, I've had the underwriters or the um, reinsurers and the companies in my office asking me questions about, you know, where's this thing going? And our board of directors and senior people are questioning whether we should stay in the business or not. Now these are the guys the only ones that are offering national coverage. And if they push this thing too far, you know, and, for example, if they get payment limitations on um, big farmers, that will bring this thing down. You know, this is this is not, <laughs> you know, uh, we have pushed this probably further than we should have with this SRA that was done. The last, You know, that we took money out of it, the system in the 08 bill, then they did an SRA, It's it's problematic, and uh, hopefully we can explain to people as we fight this fight how precarious this situation is. Because we, if you know, you could have a situation where North Dakota, for example, will not be be able to get insurance. You know, nobody wants to do business in North Dakota the way it is. (laughs) They all want to do business in Iowa.
0: (laughs) And of course, this has implications beyond just who's able to get a crop insurance program as the dollars and cents of agriculture are tighter I would have a tendency to believe this is going to be who can get an operating loan and who can function.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, if crop insurance is what keeps uh, family, agriculture smaller uh, farmers going because the the banker's not going to you know, it's gotten so expensive to farm the banker's not going to Uh, finance you if you don't have a way to pay him back if something doesn't go right. That's what crop insurance does. You know, and the banker's going to make sure that you've got enough coverage to cover his loan. Well, so if you eliminate that, what's going to happen is the people with deep pockets, if you don't have crop insurance, the people with deep pockets are going to farm. That's what's going to happen. The people that can afford to take the risk, people that have got a lot of cash and can self-insure, basically, you know, and at the extreme, you could end up with 100 people farming in the United States, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's not a good deal. You know, so the the most important thing to keeping family farms and, and getting young people into agriculture
0: is crop insurance. There's just no question about it. Let's talk about trade. Uh, trade promotion authority for the president is on the table. Where do you stand about an up or down vote on any potential piece of uh, of trade, uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, TTIP or other? Well, I'm officially on the fence,
1: <laughs> which I'm not usually uh, in that position. But I've been working with Roman and uh, the administration uh, to make sure that if I vote to give them TPA the authority, that the uh, Japanese will... Uh, agree to open up their rice and beef markets more than they've been in the past. Number one, but more importantly, that we get the Canadians on a path to uh, phase out their supply management system in dairy and poultry. And uh, you know, in the NAFTA, we allowed them to keep the supply management system. And that's fine. You know, they manage it within their own system. We gave we got rid of the dairy. Um, tariffs in the United States. So they can sell their products into the U.S. with no tariffs, but we can't sell our products into Canada, you know, without some tariffs are 450 percent, you know. So that was a bad deal. So we got to get the tariffs uh, gone, and in order for them to be able to get rid of the tariffs, they're going to have to get rid of their supply management system or put it on a system to phase out. It's very hard to do for them politically, I understand that, but my concern is the number one and number three processors of dairy products in the United States are now Canadian co-ops from Quebec. <laughs> so you have Canadian dairy farmers that are the, the biggest processors of milk in the United States and the reason is they make a lot of money in their system and they can't invest it in their own business, in their own industry. So they come down here and invest it in ours. You know, which I suppose some people say, well, that's a good thing. But I just don't think that it's good that we have the Canadians in charge of our processing. So bottom line, there's got to be a way forward that's going to resolve this in this agreement. Because if we don't get it done
0: in this deal, it'll never get done. What role will trade adjustment assistance play in finding votes?
1: Uh, I don't know. For, for me and my district, that's not a big issue. Um, my manufacturing are not really affected by this. You know, We, we have a, our manufacturing sector is booming, as you know. You can't find enough workers right. to fill the jobs. So uh, I, I suppose with some people, it's going to make a difference, but um, it, it's a way to paper over the underlying
0: problems of the, the whole system. From your observation, is this a D and an R issue, or is it more muddled than the parties?
1: Well, I think it is, you know, usually it's muddled, but this time the unions and environmentalists are really putting the heat on, you know, and they have sway with our party now. I mean, these parties have become so polarized, and and the White House, it's kind of interesting because the White House has been controlled by the environmentalists, you know, so now uh, it's kind of ironic you want to give them the power, you know, to go against the uh, environmentalists, but... So they're going to have most Democrats are going to vote against this because of the pressure from these interest groups, and some of the Republicans, uh, some of the right wing that don't trust Obama, they're going to vote against it. You know, so it's it's going to be difficult to get enough support to get TPA done, um, and they're not there yet. You know, so uh, I'm I'm kind of one of the few people that's out there on with different issues than everybody else is talking about. And. In, in, Roman told me that there won't be a deal unless we deal with the Japanese and Canadian on agriculture. But when I talk to the Japanese and the Canadians, I don't I'm not
0: that confident. <laughs> so I'm trying to sort through that. Mm-hmm. Yourself and Chairman Conway of the Agriculture Committee, specific priorities that need to be addressed here early in the 114th
1: well, we have three things we need to do. We need to reauthorize, reauthorize Gipsa, the grain inspection uh, system. We need to uh, reauthorize mandatory price reporting, uh, which is um, also expired. And we need to reauthorize the CFTC. So we're going to move ahead with that. And uh, the question will be, will the Senate move? You know, because we did some of this before in the House and the Senate didn't do anything. You know, but those
0: are the three things that need to get done. Venturing back to trade, your thoughts on Cuba. There are those uh, who would like to end the embargo. There are those who would say there's no way that bar- embargo should ever go away and that we should not have normalized relations.
1: Well, I've been supporting eliminating the, the embargo for years. Uh, I just haven't made as big a deal out of it as some people. You know? But I, we actually came close to being successful uh, back when, uh, when we were in the majority They were going to put it into one of the bigger bills at one time. But there's no question that um, the best way to free the Cubans (laughs) is to open up trade and open up uh, travel with the U.S. That's going to do more to bring that government down in Cuba and to get them uh, back into the real world. I was there a couple months ago and it's pathetic, you know the- the Cuban people love us, and they want to do business with us, and they want to open up travel and they want to open up trade, but you got a government that's controlled by two people, and they're sending the the word down to everybody, and uh, nobody else has anything to say about anything and uh, uh, you know the average Cuban is making forty bucks a month it's it's a you know it's and they have no concept of um, the market or economics. <laughs> you know, just um, so uh, the sooner we can open up trade with Cuba, the better. Uh, but it's going to you know get getting them off the terrorism list was a step in the right direction. We need next thing we need to reestablish the embassy here and in, in, in Cuba. Uh, you know, to make those kind of steps, and as we go along, you know the. We have a, what's called a Cuban interest section, uh, which is in what used to be the embassy in Cuba. Mm-hmm. It's a big building. We have 270 people there in that building that work for the State Department. Not one of those people have ever met with a Cuban government official. So I said, what are you people doing while we're monitoring the situation, well, <laughs> so you got to so so in the in the United States, our government won't meet with the Cuban people, and down in Cuba, their government won't meet with our people. Well, you know, that's a dysfunctional situation. Now, you know, the the ag market uh, there's there's a market down there, but frankly, this is overhyped by people because. If we got all of the business in the agriculture sector in Cuba, it's minuscule. <laughs> you know, this is overhyped, as though, well, you know, people are coming back from Cuba saying, oh, it's a tremendous opportunity. Well, it's good, but it's a very small market. Mm-hmm. And those people don't have any money
0: to buy anything. One more issue on trade. With regard to the WTO, we anticipate an announcement regarding country of origin labeling. What's the next step after the announcement?
1: Well. If we lose, which uh, most people think we will, and we'll see, Conaway intends to move ahead and repeal uh, Country of Origin labeling on cattle, pork, and poultry. I don't think that's wise because I don't think it can get through the Senate and we'll end up in a situation where we're going to have a retaliation. Uh, So I think we should be sitting down trying to figure out a compromise that we can get through the House and the Senate. That can Mexico and Canada can live with, and so we don't get into a knockdown, dragout brawl here. But I'm not in charge, so Conway wants to move ahead and do that. That's his prerogative. Uh, he's probably got the votes in the
0: House, but I'm not sure he does in the Senate. There's a piece of legislation in the House that would regard voluntary labeling of any food that might have an ingredient from a crop that was genetically enhanced. Where does that fit on the Peterson platform? I'm for it,
1: um, but I'm for it being administered by USDA, not by the FDA. Uh, I don't trust those people over there. (laughs) They could screw up a one-car parade, you know. I I don't know where this is all going to go, but um, we need to have one label for the U.S. It needs to be voluntary, you know, so that if, if somebody wants to label their saying that they're non-GMO, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But don't... First of all, nobody knows what a GMO is. And it's a scary name that was come up by the Greens in Europe to make it sound bad, you know. So, I mean... uh, So, first thing we need, if we're going to actually do anything, we need to... What we should do is figure out what this means, you know, and educate the public about what it means, because they have no clue, you know. So... You know, so the you know the um, organic industry had a voluntary label, and they went from zero to $35 billion. It worked. And so a voluntary label would work,
0: and that's what we should do, and I would prefer that it be at USDA. I'll finish with this. A lot of water in your state, a lot of concern from the agriculture community regarding the EPA's definition of waters of the U.S., Does this Congress act, or are you patient until you see the final rule? Well, they're going to wait, I think, until they see the final rule.
1: And then I've told, uh, you know, I'm on the bill to get rid of it, and I'm working with the appropriators to put something in the appropriation bill. Mm -hmm. But I've also, I told them, I think the first thing we should do once the rule comes out is that we should use the Congressional Review Act, which gives us 60 days to veto any regulation. And I think that's what we should do first. And I think we can pass it in the House. Now, there again, the question is what about the Senate. But, you know, I'm I'm committed to stop this because it
0: would be a disaster. Congressman, this is called open mic, and the audience and the microphone are yours sir. Well, uh, we appreciate um,
1: what you guys do. You've got a tough job, we all do, trying to explain to urban people what rural people in agriculture do it's a uphill battle as you know uh, but we appreciate the, the farm broadcasters and the work that you guys do trying to help educate our friends in urban america about the real world and that um, the food just doesn't show up on the grocery store shelf there's a lot more to it before it gets there and um, frankly trying to save people from themselves because some of this stuff that they propose they have no idea, you know, if they got their way, the price of food would
0: triple or quadruple, you know, then they wouldn't be happy either. Our thanks to Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson, the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, and our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science. From high-powered seeds and traits to innovative biological and chemical crop protection products, Bayer Crop Science delivers science for a better life. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.